Well, welcome back to the 1010 Project Podcast. My name is Tyler Reagan. I'm one of your co-hosts. The other co-host, the, the infamous Josh Turner, is uh, on this podcast, on this episode, but he is the uh, special VIP interviewer of the one and only Joby Martin, uh, lead pastor of Church of 1122. And I know it's been a few minutes, a hot minute since you guys have heard from us. Um, major reason for that is Josh has been all over the country. My wife and family and I, as you've heard, are moving to Orlando. He and I are basically, we've switched spots. He left Orlando, came to Atlanta. We've spent a few years here together. And now my wife and I are moving to Orlando. So moving out of state has caused uh, a little bit of a disruptance in the force, uh, the inability to get some things done that need to get done, like said podcast that we are a part of. Um, anyway, this is really, really a great podcast, and that's coming up here with Joby Martin in just a second. Two things I want to let you know about. Uh, we are uh, we have a trip in October that is full. We are looking to maybe do one potentially two other trips this fall. We also have some women's trips that are starting to um, look like they're going to launch September, October. So if you're interested in any of this stuff, please just send a message to um, Christine at 1010project.com. Again, the number 10, the word 10, project.com. And she can get you connected with Josh and I and help you figure out. We've been working diligently to figure out a way to create kind of a new version of 1010, a version 2.0, if you will, where we're going to be able to uh, bring the cost down significantly and uh, see if we can't get um, more of you guys and girls to be a part of what we get to do and the way we serve these leaders. would ask your prayers if you're listening to this. Our, our group that is halfway through the year will be heading to on-site in just a few weeks in June. And we just ask, this is such a critical component of our 12 months together, we ask that you would pray for these guys, these pastors and business leaders, uh, three different groups, that God would just show up in a mighty way through the work that we do with Onsite there. Uh, and then we have a group that started um, in May of last year who's finishing up in Wyoming in June. So we've got a lot going on. Really grateful for that. Really, really excited to announce that, um, you know, as we've mentioned, we have two huge partners who have been with us, supporting us, who are, are financially helping us. And those would be Convoy of Hope, who we've talked about before, and the work they're doing right now in the Ukraine is another way for you to get connected. They are doing boots on the ground. They will be in the Ukraine and Poland helping serve the refugees and those affected by the war. So you can go to convoyofhope.org uh, to find out more there or to give. And then now, a partner I've been with for, gosh, 10, 12 years now, Compassion International, uh, is jumping on board with 1010 Project. I could not be more excited about that. And many of you know about child sponsorship all over the world through Compassion International. I believe in everything they do, and I'm super grateful for them. So if you want to know more about Compassion International, you can DM us on our social media, and we can get get you connected to the right folks. So, all right. Well, that's all the admin, all the updates, and we've got some more podcasts coming to you live this summer. It's going to be amazing, and so we're looking forward to that and thankful for all of you listening and excited to see what God does over these next few weeks with our pastors and business leaders who are in the middle uh, of their year of the 1010 Project. So Josh Turner sat down with uh, his longtime friend. Um, you know, they were both worked in Jacksonville for a long time. Church of 1122 has just exploded. Their executive pastor, Adam Flint, was what one of our first 1010 Project uh, attendees and, and is going to be a group leader for us. 
we just we have a massive amount of respect and love for those guys, Adam Flint and for Joby Martin. And so Josh sat down with Joby, talked a little bit about leading, about health, about rhythms and the things that come along with being a healthy leader and pastor. So without further ado, here's Josh Turner sitting down with Joby Martin. Guys, today I am uh, I have the honor of interviewing and speaking with one of my really, really good friends. Uh, you guys may know him. His name is Joby Martin. He pastors a church in Jacksonville, Florida called the Church of 1122. Joby and I have known each other. Dude, it's been going on about 20 years uh, yeah. now. <laughs> Long knew, time. You, you knew me when I had hair still. And yeah, I think to, I had I had hair too. Yeah, you did. But you used to call me the hip Andy Stanley. <laughs> That's what you look like, real thin, and you dressed different back then too. You weren't so I did. like. I, I, dude, I was. Yeah, no, I was. I was in a weird. I was in a weird phase. I looked like a band. I looked like the band manager for One Direction back in the day. <laughs> that is very true. I've worn the same thing since the sixth grade, so it's yeah. fine. Jeans yeah, and a like t-shirt, gradient sunglasses, and a scarf. <laughs> You should, I don't know how we are. You should have just beaten me up uh, every time you saw me. This is my man purse. Uh, yeah. It's my oh, satchel. the stories. The stories. Uh, but, man, I want to uh, jump into it. You know, uh, I, I want you to tell the story of 1122, and I want you to tell where you're at now because I think what's so unique is you guys started so different than so many other churches start. You know, most churches, when they go, they go through a – church planning process they're planning out of nowhere they're parachuting into a city you you were actually a part of another church in jacksonville you and the lead pastor uh had a great relationship and y'all did something that was very different at the time that i haven't really seen done too much still to this day so can you kind of talk about uh the process that you went through of the uniqueness of planning 1122 yeah, man, my pleasure. First of all, though, I'd like to say thanks for having me and thanks for all that you guys are doing with 1010 yeah, Project man. for the health of pastors all over the place. And so, man, big old thank you for what thanks, you guys brother. are doing. Um, yeah, health probably describes best uh, what I came out of with the church that that really made it possible for us to plan 1122. I yeah. was a youth pastor, uh, moved to Jacksonville to work at Beach United Methodist Church. And um I was, I'm not a Methodist and this is not what I would call a typical United Methodist church either. It was, yeah, um, I would agree with that. It was definitely just, they were just super serious about reaching people way more than they were about denominational stuff. Yep. And so pastor Jerry Swep is my pastor, was my pastor. He's literally the best Christian I've ever met in my life. He wakes up every morning, still does his quiet time. And I'm like, hashtag, hashtag, bring back the quiet time guy, okay? (laughs) And then he acted like it, man. Loved his wife, loved his kids. And I did student ministry there under his leadership for about five years. Had all his kids in my youth group, and his wife worked with me. And all was just ticking along great. And then our church decides to start a service that started at 1122 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And that's why we named it what we named it, because I'm the least creative person on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, you're not. When I think of creativity, you're not the guy that strikes me. No, 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 no. Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) And uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I see what happens to you creative types. Anyway, uh, so so we start the service, and man, through a series of events, the, um, God breathed on it, and it outgrew the whole church. Yep. And so Pastor Jerry came to me and said, I think it's time that you plant a church with you as the lead pastor. And man, he, I remember he said in a meeting, he said, I have a real peace about this. And I thought, oh, that's funny because I just threw up in my mouth. It's weird how the spirit of God <laughs> yeah. manifests himself in different ways and different people. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot that led up to that decision, but he, he, you know, trusted me and handed over the keys, man. And then Josh, probably the craziest thing is uh, he let us stay at beach for like almost two years, about a year and a half. As we put together a staff, yep. Um, and he also gave me open season on all of the people that worked at Beach United Methodist Church. Yeah, and let me recruit, and uh, we raised money together, and then we found an old dilapidated Walmart and moved in, and and um, yeah, man, he supported me all the way. And, well, and, and I think I, I think what was so interesting, just being you know us being friends for as long as we have been, is. I watched you walk through that whole season and, and there was also a part of it. If I remember right, that y'all, because y'all had so many people and because, you know, 1122 had grown so much, you actually knew that, Hey, if we just up and leave, it's going to hurt Beach United Methodist. So there was this, there was this dual respect that you and Jerry had with each other that you, he wanted to release you and you didn't want to hurt where you had been developed. And like you said, dude, Jerry's the best human being. We're all going to be cutting his grass in heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, so how did that, like, how did that work? Was there, was there some tensions? Cause I, if, if there were, you two navigated them unbelievably. And I think you're, you knew your position of honor in that. I'd love for you to speak to that for a second. Yeah, man, there were all kinds of tensions in the meetings behind the doors. Yeah. I mean, there's denominational stuff and I'm not a Methodist and Methodists do it that way. And I'm like, well, where's that in the Bible? And there's all that sort of stuff. There's like just leadership tensions because most United Methodist churches are committee driven. And so there's all these lay people on the committees that are just deciding they know what's best for yeah. a future church plant, although none of them planted a church. And honestly, what it came down to, it just came down to that man's character. Yeah. And we loved each other. So it's yeah. easy to honor somebody that is that honorable. It's easy to, to, to outdo one another with honor when this man that you just love so much and appreciate so much. And you can work out all the details if, yeah. if you just, you know, keep Jesus in the middle and act like your brothers. And that's, well, and that's and what I, we did. And bro. And I, and I would just say for you too, like, you know, where I come from and my background and stuff, but I would say it's also your honor. You know what I'm saying? Like th- there is a level of honor in you because one of the things I see a lot now with younger pastors is they end up getting to a place where maybe God is opening doors for them or they feel like they know better or whatever the case may be. And they, when they leave, they leave a wake of destruction in their past. And so I just, you know, as, as my friend, but also as just a leader, bro, like the way you handled that and the way that you walked through that in such an honorable way, not only, to Jesus, but also to Jerry and beach and kind of where you came from, I think was something that was, it was modeled really well for a lot of people. And well, so, thanks man. A guy that, that I met through you, he just told me that, you know, honor is a choice and you choose to yep. honor this man in this season and maybe God will honor you in your season. That hit me yep. 
like a ton of bricks when he told me that. So we just yep. took our team through Philippians 2 every week as we led yep. up to launching the church and said our attitude, would, we would try that our attitude would be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Yeah, so that, that was try. That was what we tried to do. I mean, we didn't do it perfectly, but but yeah. man, it sure is great to tell the story now. You know, I mean, oh, dude, I mean, it's just it was as as a as a friend, it was great to watch you handle it well. And it, it made me like, you know, like when you see your friends do something right and you're like, man, I'm really proud of you that you did it that way. Like no. you could have done it a ton of different ways. And so, well, I actually uh, I, learned it, Josh, from the crew that you were running with, because yep. I, I mean, if, if you grew up, if you were in a church that where honor was, was something held high, the crew that I was running with was like all cynicism and sarcasm, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, sure. They were doctrinally awesome. Yeah. They just weren't awesome to be around because yeah. everything was, everything was cynicism and sarcasm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I appreciate it. So now, so you leave, you do it the right way. You and Jerry still have a great relationship. So tell people now, where is 1122? Because I, I think, I mean, and we'll get into this in a moment to me, and I'm not just saying this because you're my buddy, like you are one of the best, I think Bible preachers, in America right now. Like, and, and I say that hands down, I, I listened to two churches, one I work for in LA and then you in, in Jacksonville. And maybe it's just cause you're a redneck like I am and I can understand your, uh, your accent real well. But uh, so where, where, are, where's 1122 right now? What's happening? So yeah, we, we planted 1122 in 2012. So we're about to come up on our 10 year birthday. Uh, we're a multi-site church we're at eight lo nine locations right now and yeah. we will be at 11 by the end of next year uh we're just a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with jesus christ we're serious about god's word we're serious about worship we're serious about making disciples and also we're serious about reaching one more we've never tried to be yep. a big church we just we've just been real serious about reaching one more you know because yeah. jesus is the kind of shepherd that would leave the 99 for the one and so god's blessed it um, even in the season, this sermon series we're in right now, we've seen over 300 people come to Christ. Yeah. And so, awesome. um, yeah, currently, you, know, it, you know, our church is like everybody, a, a, a big online presence, you know, lots yep. of churches are doing that. And then there's probably there's between 12 and 13,000 people a weekend that sit in the seats. Yeah. You know what I love about, you know what I love about you guys, man? Like when I come in and preach for you, sometimes you're very like the fact that you say over 300 people have come to know Christ in the series that you're in. We've all heard altar calls uh, that are more self-help Jesus than actual salvation. Right. And what <laughs> Jesus did for us on the cross, like some, we've all heard altar calls. You're like, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm being asked. I'm just going to raise right. my hand. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and, and so when I, when I preach for you, you're very clear, like, Hey, it is first time commitment. It is not recommitment. And it is very clear that man, you are accepting that Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, buried and resurrected for you, forgave you of your sins. And then also gave you the righteousness of Christ. And Amen. like, did you like, so when I hear you say, 300 people i know the weight that that carries because of how y'all present it every week and i just think that that's such a a thing in the church world in my own opinion that pastors and preachers need to get back to is that when we share the gospel that we're actually explaining what the gospel is and not uh if you want a life that's just blessed and you're never going to have problems and everything's good then you raise your hand like it is <laughs> 
you were a sinner and Jesus saved you. That, yeah, I almost always just do the ABCs. If you're ready to admit that you're a sinner, believe in Christ out on the cross, it counted for you, then confess yep. him as Lord and the Bible says you will be yep. saved. Yep. Yeah, but you're right. I've been sitting at churches and the guy's like, if you're ready for Jesus to take the wheel of your life, please stand. And I'm like, who doesn't love that song? You know, and you just, <laughs> what are we even doing, is, man? Is Carrie here? Is she right. here right now? <laughs> Like I think I've been I'm a Christian. Do I stand up? What do I do? Because yeah. if I'm sitting and I'm saying he he doesn't have the I don't know what to do. So. One of my uh, one of my best friends, uh, Justin Todd, is on your staff. He runs your Mandarin campus. And my yeah. favorite stories, if you've never talked to him about them, is all the times that he would recommit his life at church <laughs> growing up, and he'd be like, "Mom, you need to call Brother Barry. This is the real one this time." <laughs> Just in case he didn't want to get left behind. That was his bro. Uh, Heaven's gates, hell flames. That messed him up for life. (laughs) No doubt. Uh, But so, um, so here's all I want to ask you this too. Like I I said earlier, you are, in my opinion, one of the best communicators. I actually have a lot of friends I talked to you about that are now starting to listen to you. And it's all the same feedback. Like you are a line by line verse by verse preacher of the word you're going to do whole books you, you may wrap them in a series title but it's going to be through a book of the bible i think y'all spent 37 years in the book of romans um <laughs> at least that's the way i seem to listen to it at the gym um which also helps you control your eyes when you listen to your buddy preach romans at the gym um, there you go so what does your sermon writing process look like because it is very very good well, first of all, I appreciate that means a lot coming from you, man, because you are uh, an, an incredibly gifted orator of God's word. Uh, so, yeah, man, I'm an expository preacher. It's what I do. Yeah. And I tell our folks all the time I can expose them to the Bible, but only the spirit of God can expose the scriptures yeah. to them. And so um, I my sermon writing starts maybe like a year in advance. I put together mm-hmm. uh, where I think God is leading us you know, through what text or books of the Bible or whatever. And I at least come up with a big idea there. And then the week of the sermon, I read over the text Sunday night before I go to bed. I get up Monday morning, typically about four o'clock or so. Right now it's turkey season. So I go sit in the turkey woods with my Bible and a notebook and pray until the sun comes up. And then I just sit there with my Bible. Basically what I do, Josh, is I just write a commentary. I just read a verse. I'm like, that's what that means. I read a verse. I think that's what that means. I read a verse. I need to look up this word. I wonder what this says for later in the week. It often reminds me of an illustration or a story. And then somehow, man, it just, God puts it together as a sermon. In fact, one of his great graces is that he does not owe me a sermon. Yeah. I think about this all the time. I go in the woods with my Bible saying, God, they're your sheep. They're not my sheep. You're the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. I work for you. What do you want to say to your people this week? Yeah. And then, and then I just feel like I get under the faucet and he turns on the water, man. And then, yeah. so that's it. After Are there several any... hours of that, I just kind of have like a sort of an outline and then I go from there. Are there any specific, like for those people that are listening that are preachers or anything like are there specific tools or commentaries or things that you're like, man, this is kind of like, I love Warren Wearsby's commentaries. Uh, like, I, I love the way that he's like, here are three things that we can learn from the scripture. Like yeah, that's yeah, the way yeah. my, my brain works. Um, is there anything for you that you're like, man, this has really helped me as I've grown as a preacher. I typically just ask these three questions and it helps what happened. So what, and now what? Okay. That's I, good. I think, I think most pastors, they do the what happened for sure. And they handle the, so what Yeah. But they stop short of the now what. All right. So Jesus walked on water. 
all right, so what? Yeah. You know, if you take your eyes off of him like Peter did, you'll sink. And that's often yep. where we stop. But yep. when you preach to the now what, like in the next seven days, what do you need to do about it? Yeah, that's really good. And then, and then another thing I think to think about is as you're preaching to the now what, do you need people? Do you want people to think something differently, feel something differently, or do something differently? Like, is it yeah. a head sermon, a heart sermon, or a hand sermon? That's really and good. So, man. if you just do those two things and preach towards the now, what at least? I mean, because like you and I preach uh, pretty similarly in that it's an experience, it's a journey. It's like watching a movie. Yeah, there's like an introduction, there's content, there's rises and falls, but you are you're not gonna laugh, you're gonna cry. That's it, you man. Know, all Have that. some popcorn, it'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 you're trying to take somebody somewhere on this journey. Well, when you get to the end of it, what's next? I think yeah. is a really important question. So, now what? Yeah, are you called to forgive somebody? Are you called to think uh, doctrinally about the Lord differently? Do you need to feel differently about yourself because you always yeah. feel this condemnation and now you know, therefore now there is no condemnation? So yeah. I think that's important too. You, I mean, bro, you, like I've told you this before, I've made jokes with it at your church where I've preached, but like you, when I listen to you, I'm usually at the gym just trying not to be skinny fat, um, <laughs> but I'm there, I'm there working out and you have helped me so much because, you know, I kind of come from the place that... Um, if your guys leaned very doctrinally, theologically, the place that I come from, that wasn't always where we would lean the right. most. Right. And so you've really helped me in so much of, you know, a lot of people listening now, I have a special needs kid, like wrestling through the sovereignty of God and that, and then also wrestling through, I'll never forget, I heard you preach and you were doing the altar call. And you were talking about how God separates our sins from as far away as the East is from the West. And you are now a new creation in Christ. And you go, but what most people do is they stop here. Mm -hmm. And this is it. You go, but there's another part of the gospel that now you are the righteousness of Christ. And I was at the gym and I am the worst at beating myself up and making myself feel like just crap about myself all the time. And all of a sudden it hits me. It's like, I have been a, not only preaching, half of the gospel, but I've also been believing half of the gospel for myself. So as I was like curling my 10 pound dumbbells, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> just weeping, like crying in a corner. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, man, I gotta call security here in a second. And, uh, but dude, it, it's always been, you really are a great communicator. And so out of, out of all that, right. Out of all your sermon study, the way that you write, you just came out with your first book. I did. And um, it's called If the Tomb is Empty. And so let me ask you, out of all the you've been like you said, you've been coming up on 10 years. You've been preaching way longer than that. Out of all of your studies, the sermon series, everything. Why is this what you chose to write a book on? Um, I, I love what you just described, because that's why I wrote it. I think yeah. most people at church believe half the gospel. Yeah. If it, they believe that if I, you know, if I were to ask them, all right, if you were standing before Jesus and you died, and he said, why should I let you in my heaven? What would you say? And they would say, because you died on the cross for my sin, which is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. He died in your place for your sin. But then that's where it stops. And if our gospel ends at the cross and not through the resurrection, what that means is God has wiped away, wiped the, the slate clean, but now it's up to us and our good works to like refill it in. Right. Yeah. The illustration that I like to use is imagine that you had debt, just you were over your head in debt. So you went to the bank and you said, I need your help. I can't pay this debt. 
And the bank president said, I've got good news. I'm going to forgive you your debt. Yeah. You would be gracious, man. And that's a good thing. But if that's all he did, then you left, when you left the bank, your condition would be you are broke and you better get yeah. to work. Yeah. That's only half the gospel. The gospel would say that the bank president not only cancels your debt, but adopts you as his own child and gives you all of the debit cards to have access to all that the bank has. Yeah. And now you go get to work for your father, but you do it from a place of victory and sonship. Yeah. Not like a tool in his hand. You were primarily not a soldier in the army of God or a tool in the hand of God. You were primarily a son in God's family. These are very different things. Yeah. And that, and this is what the empty tomb tells us. And the empty tomb is the foundation of our faith. We don't have faith in faith, man. Yeah. We have faith in That's the reality good. that Jesus came out of the grave. Yeah. So why do you feel like it's so, why do you feel like that's so hard for people to believe? A.W. Tozer says the most important thing about you is what you think when you think about God. Yeah. And I think most people think God is pretty frustrated with us now Yeah. because we're freaking frustrating, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, really. And if you're a parent, 189 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Heavenly Father, right? Yeah. So how frustrated do you get with your kids? I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old pray for me. (laughs) There's a high degree of dad frustration in my life. All right. And so I think, well, geez, how much more frustrating must I be towards God? Yeah. But the Bible says this is love. Not that we loved him and he loved us and sent his son as the propitiation for our sin. That word propitiation, which, by the way, when I started preaching, all the preaching experts says, don't use theological terminology like that because your people won't know it. And I thought if you can order a venti caramel macchiato, you can understand a couple of theology terms. So anyway, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You do a good job means, at explaining it. Though. <laughs> right. But propitiation simply means. That, that, that Jesus is the payment that satisfies. He satisfied the law of God. He satisfied the justice of God. He satisfied the wrath of God. Which means if Christ is in you and Jesus is the payment that satisfies, check this out. God cannot be dissatisfied in you. Yeah. That's what the empty tomb means, man. The yeah. power that, that resurrected Christ from the grave now dwells in you so that when God Almighty sees you, he's not frustrated. When God Almighty sees you, he sees the righteousness of his son and he delights over you. He sings over you. He dances over you. And if we can begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, it'd be ways easy for us to do what God tells us. Do you feel like that's a muscle that you have to learn to flex? Do you know what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is like, do you, because most of us, right? Like most of us have learned to identify with God the way that we learn to identify with our earthly father or something, right? For sure. And so do you feel like that's something for people? Like I know for me, when I left the previous church I was at, man, I would have thought that I was in a really good relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was a day where I felt like, and I always say very, you know, carefully when I feel like God said, or the Holy Spirit said, like, but I felt like God said to me, you thought you had a really good walk with me because of how hard you worked for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, God lifted this rock and said, now you can't work for me in this season now where's your identity and now where's your relationship with me? You know, and that's a, and that's a very beautiful thing because the Lord like loved me enough to allow me, cause me to be wounded, to wrestle with some things. But at the same time, you're like, Oh my God, man, I've, I've been building this relationship off of my performance. And so for me, I realized like it was a muscle that I had to learn to, to, to flex that when I 
don't feel a certain way about myself, I have to remind myself, this is the way I feel about me, not the way that God feels about me. Do you yeah, see man. that with a lot of people? Every single one of us live in a world that is nothing but performance and pretending. Yeah. I mean, the job you have, the school you're in is nothing but performing. And then when you don't perform, you pretend, see your own Instagram account. All yeah. right. And then the gospel comes along and says, in Christ, the performing and the pretending are done. You don't have to yeah. do either. And bro, so how it's the does, air we breathe. How does that look for you? Because you are, let's be honest. I mean, you are, you know, I joke with everybody and tell them that you're, my boy's the face of Acts 29, you know, like, and I just like, but you, you have a large church. There's tons of yeah. people that look up to you. There's, you know, you're known as a very good communicator. You're now a author with a best-selling book. And so how do you fight that in yourself? That uh, you've got to constantly preach the gospel to yourself, man. I yeah. mean, I, that's like an everyday thing. I mean, chapter one is what you just described. Yeah. Abraham has been believing God for this promise. It took him forever to get it. Then Isaac comes along. Most theologians, theologians think Isaac was probably a teenager when, when mm -hmm. Abraham was going to take him up on the mountain. And surely yeah. Abraham thinks, well, dude, it's all clean sailing now because I believe God. I trusted God. I did my part. Now here come the blessings. Yep. And the Bible says, and, and God tested Abraham. Yeah. Like he called him to take the thing that he'd blessed him with and be willing to lay it down for the sake of God. Do you really trust him? Yeah. Yeah, man. So like you said, it's easy for you to talk about right now when your professional identity was stripped from you for a season. Yeah. But bro, to watch you, I mean, because you call me, we talk about all this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. for you to wrestle with why Riley is the way she is. Let's talk about this theologically. It's crazy how God does not mind totally dismantling our lives for us to understand that he is more than enough. For and sure. so I, I, I have to constantly remind myself of the gospel that the, the gospel is not just the thing that justifies me, man. It sustains me and sanctifies me. Yeah. I have to constantly be reminded of two things that are simultaneously true. The, the older I get, the longer I've been walking with Christ, two things simultaneously happen. One, I am more of a wretch than I knew I was. Mm -hmm. I am more sinful. Yeah. I am less deserving of getting to do what I get to do, be married yeah. to who I get to be married to, all these things. And simultaneously, my understanding of the glory of God is that he is bigger and greater and more magnificent than I ever imagined. And those things, they both, they're getting further and further apart. So the only thing that can bridge that gap is the ever-expanding truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm that's the kind of guy that I just can't get over the gospel, Josh. You know me, man. You know yeah. I'm, I'm a jacked-up guy. Not not you just used to be, but I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things well, in my head, I yeah, can be I mean, jacked. I need him every, I need as, as much today as I did the day I got saved. I tell everybody, I just did a leadership talk for a church. And I said, I said, what I always try to remind myself is that I am one step away in my life from blowing it up at all times. Right. Cool. Like, and the, and the only thing that, I mean, every day uh, when I journal and pray, it's like, God, I need you to give me the strength today to keep the convictions that you have given me. Mm -hmm. And what I've realized is, is like, if, if it's not those can, if it's not the strength of the Holy Spirit and God, and because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, I'm going to blow this thing up. Do you know what totally. I'm saying? Like, and yeah, and, I and think many that, guys have gone before us that know the Bible better. They were better preachers and were had better prayer lives. Yeah, and they derailed it all. So let me. So you know. So let me ask you this: We 
you know, unfortunately right now in the church world, um, we see a ton of podcasts and documentaries and bloggers and all this stuff. And they're taking pot shots, you know, and some of it rightly deserved, like pastors have made some bad decisions and, and, um, I don't agree with the way it's being done. Um, me either. You know, I, I don't agree with uh, someone. I, I posted something on Instagram, a Spurgeon quote, and someone said, well, yeah, didn't, but didn't Paul call out the church? I go, yeah, but those were letters to the church. They weren't letters to like to YouTube, you know, to YouTube right. or, uh, or Discovery Plus or Yeah, or could you read this in the Coliseum this weekend, please? Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. There was, it wasn't that. And so when we see all this and you and I, we were friends with these guys and what does it look like for you with all that God has blessed you with and the doors that God has opened for you? What does it look like for you to protect yourself? Yes, we know first and foremost, like you just talked about God, right? And, sure. and understanding that, but practically, what are some things that you have in your life that can protect you from becoming another, you know, I hate to use the word statistic, but a statistic of, of pastors who make mistakes and fall or whatever. Um, yeah. One thing before I answer that, I would say to all the movie makers and documentarians and all the bloggers, there's 450,000 Protestant churches in America. Why not yeah. run one story on the 350,000 faithful ones this week? Yeah. That'd be cool. Wouldn't yeah. it? But yep. anywho, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, um, Besides the fear of Gretchen, your wife, I mean, because Bro, we honestly, would never man, find, we would never find your body. I'm just that, saying like, <laughs> that is true, but it is not so much a fear-based thing. It's like, she's been my biggest cheerleader forever, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about when Elijah calls down the fire on the 850 prophets of Baal. Yeah. And then right after that, he's like feeling all depressed, laying by the Creek being like, kill me, yeah. God, kill me. God yeah. says, God sent a couple of angels. Yeah. Yeah. I just happened to marry mine. Yeah. She, yeah. she's, she's my biggest like cheerleader, which helps like crazy. So first the, the attitude that you're talking about matters, bro. If you come into this, like, how could he? Oh yeah. Yeah, you. for sure. But for by sure. the grace of God, there go. I, I mean, yep. We could all derail this thing. So, um, man, there's a lot of things. One is dudes like you, man. I've got legit friends. Yeah. Uh, all guys listening, you have no idea how many times Josh would text me. Sometimes it's just funny where he's like, <laughs> you can't say you, those. No, you can't. But <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say it. But basically, <laughs> if you disqualify yourself, I will come see you with a baseball bat. But it is yeah. a and, and even though that's funny and I laugh about it and we joke, it's still an invitation to say, hey, bro, anything you need to talk about? Because I'm not on your staff. I'm yep. not one of your elders. I don't even live in your city anymore. I'm a safe yep. place that you can just say whatever you want to say. So um, I've got legit old guy elders that yep. are in my town and in my church. And I think however your church is set up ecclesiologically, most people didn't have a choice of how that happens. Right. It was yep. it was just kind of made up for you. But you I think what Paul is talking to Timothy about, even if you don't agree with the titles and all that, you needed some older people that don't work for you that can tell you no. And all those people can't live all over the country. That doesn't count. Yeah. Now you could have some friends that, you know, I've got a bunch of like pastors that are my buddies that are at big churches and we bounce ideas. They don't see how I treat my kids. 
Yep. They don't see how I spend my money. They don't see how I treat my wife. They don't see what my attitude is like when my staff aggravates me. Yep. My elders do, though. So that matters. Here's a few things, bro. When these guys go down now, it's like you said, man. Think about it. When we were youth pastors back in the day and, and somebody took a hit, it might as well be Elvis and Madonna. We didn't yep. know these people. Yeah. Now, They're every time – yeah, bro, we've sat in green rooms and done conferences and prayed for God to save teenagers together. Yeah. Right. And um, and so here's here's at least three things that I've seen that I think are very important. One, you got to have some legit friends. Mm-hmm. And if people can't call you out on your stuff, they ain't your friend. Yep. You got to have some people that are, they care more about you than what you think about them. Yep. And so if you're a pastor, bro, you need to, and if every one of your friends you pay, then it, it's a or they, weird dynamic. Or they, go, or they all go to your church and they're all just enamored by you. Correct. It's a so you need thing. some like legit friends that, that, that you would share. So first John two fifteen says, don't love the world or the things of this world. All the world has to offer is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These things are not from the father. All right. So those are the three tools the enemy uses to take everybody down. You need some friends in your life that know which one of the three lures the enemy uses in your life most. Yep. You, you got to be honest with somebody. Like, answer this question, Pastor. If you were the devil, how would you take you out? Yep. Share that answer with some friends. All right. So, yeah, you need some everybody. We all, we all have our favorite sin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. Yeah. And I would have thought, man, I got saved when I was a teenager. So, I've been a Christian for like a little bit over 30 years. I thought I'd be much further along. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, Dude, I, I say that all the time. Like, if I'm God, I'm frustrated with me. Right, you know right, I mean? right. So, so legit elders in your life that can tell you no. Legit friends in your life that know you. And then I think a bunch of people just need a hobby, man. I agree. Like, if church is your hobby, you're sick. Yeah. You are sick. If study, if, if study is your hobby, I'm telling you, something's wrong with you. Nobody wants to be around you. And, and here's what I think, Josh, most of us that are in leadership, especially like church planner type folks or real big churches, we are a bit of adrenaline junkies, right? And so yep. if you don't have a legit hobby, what we've seen is a whole bunch of guys go for that zing in a place like, honestly, they drink too much or they have these weird gambling trips or they're yeah. they get involved in some kind of weird business deal because they're looking for that like adrenaline. They're looking for yeah. Yeah. Or it's like somebody that ain't your wife or something. Yeah. Okay. And so as, as, so you need to, there needs to be some sort of thing in your world that can steal your mind away from church. So for me, yep. me and you, bro, we hunt and as silly as yep. it is. Okay. I know it's silly, but yep. I get it. But bro, I, I cannot wait to go turkey hunting this weekend. And it's dumb. Yep. It's just a turkey, you know, but, yeah. but it's a thing that I can get lost in. Yeah. It is not my job. It's not church. And, and so it could be, it needs to be a healthy thing that yeah. you can lose yourself in. Now, if you're married with kids, you get one hobby, choose wisely. Okay. <laughs> you can't just be like, true. no, babe, I don't think you understand. Yeah. This is for my soul. So I'm going to <laughs> surf and bike and yeah. ski and, you know, so you got to yeah. choose wisely, but well, I mean, there's dude, a couple of the, things I have in my life. You're, you're, you're the whole reason I got into hunting. I remember I was in, uh, on staff at that church in Jacksonville and yeah. I ended up, we were about to have our second kid and I was, thought I was having a heart attack, drove myself <laughs> to the hospital. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is it. And I get my car and drive and you and I are having lunch the next week. And, 
I'll never forget you going, well, man, you need a hobby. And I was like, I hate golf. And you go, you need to go hunting with me. And ever since then, I tell everybody, I go, it was, it was like an armed quiet time. It was just the and best. Now I can see seven mounts, eight. <laughs> I see eight mounts yeah. in your office there. Yeah. Oh, you make office, me so proud. It, dude, I mean, like you haven't even seen, if you were to look at those behemoths oh, over there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so, I mean, that was all you getting me into that. And I remember we had a, we just did a conversation with the pastor that I, one of the pastors I work with out in California that started the church with the ministry for 40 years. And we were having the same conversation. And he said that he met with so many older pastors and what they told him was golf helped save my life. Yeah. Like it gave me something outside of the ministry uh, to really focus on and, and want to do. And so, um, yeah, man. So where like your book is out, they can get it on Amazon. They can give a website like jobymont.com. Yeah, I mean, You're just flexing <laughs> up there with like a deer head. You can, yeah, you can get it in all the book places, Amazon and all the other places, uh, books of millions about to run of Easter week special, all that cool. stuff. But if you go to our website, coe22.com slash books, there's a bunch of supplements to it cool. too. Charles Martin and I have done a podcast, go along with it and stuff like that. So, well, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking some time to uh, be on the 1010 podcast. And it's an honor being your friend and knowing you as long as I have. And I'm so proud of you and your family and the way that you have handled all the success that God has brought you. And so, man, thanks for spending some time with us and talking to us. Man, I appreciate you, bro. I love you. I really do. Love you, dude. Love you, buddy. Peace. Amazing stuff there, Josh and Joby. And uh, again, if you want to keep up with Joby and what's happening at Church of 1122, you just go to uh, coe22.com. coe22.com. You can keep up with Church of 1122. Pay attention to all the things going on. That church is amazing. It's serving a lot of people in northern Florida. I believe they have some stuff in south Georgia as well. And I have some really dear friends that go there, and they have just they just love that church. They love their church. They love their pastor. They love their leadership. So, and again, another shout out to Adam Flint, who's been a part of Ten Ten from day one. And so these guys are with us and uh, believe and fighting for the health and the longevity of us leaders. And so, uh, check them out. See what's happening there. Thanks again for listening. Uh, looking forward to some new episodes coming your way. And uh, Josh and I are just grateful for the support and prayers. Uh, that you've given us. We've got some updates we want to share in the next few episodes. And um, so be looking out for that. And if you've got friends that need this, connect them to our podcast, anywhere podcasts can be heard. Like and share the podcast if you want to. And then if you're in Orlando, keep us posted. Uh, The Reagans would love to say hi. So have a great day and uh, we'll see you next time. I saw you the other night down the street you were walking I remember when I held you tight I felt like a millionaire and you were laughing and carrying on the sky was pink and yellow and I'm okay but it hurt you're gone I just took a deep breath and stared I'll get over you in time I'm not ready I'll get over you in time so